Good morning, church family. I've got a little friend here. I must remember not to actually kick him or, yeah, in my sermon. Great memories of him in our family life over the years of our children and other children lifting that hand and gathering all those M&Ms. Family, friends, groups of people in general. Food, Christmas, birthdays, weddings, funerals, sports and festivals. When you hear these words, what do they have in common? Each of these words for me suggests gatherings. On many occasions in our lives, every one of us will experience gatherings of some form and description. In fact, you and I are experiencing one now as we gather here at BNBC today. What comes to your mind when you think of a gathering? What's your fondest memory of a gathering that you have attended? God's word is full of examples of where people gathered and the word gathering or gather is used nearly 400 times in the Bible alone. And I promise you today I'm not going to use it 400 times. In line with our series on Regenerational, today we will be reflecting on gathering together with Jesus in our midst by exploring one thing that we are not to gather in those times and two things that we are as we seek to regenerate all together across the generations, especially from the perspective of including the children. Firstly, let's look at what we're not together. Over the course of my life, being a pastor's wife, I've lived in nine different houses. We've shifted into state three times, and throughout those times, I've required a lot of boxes. It seems that in today's Bible reading from Mark 10, 13 to 16, Jesus' disciples were gathering boxes too in this well-known encounter. There was a gathering around Jesus and his disciples of parents and perhaps grandparents bringing little children to see Jesus. Now, when the disciples saw this taking place, they felt that the children shouldn't be there. So they started to rebuke the adults who were bringing the children over to Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but I imagine the excitement of the children skipping, laughing, chatting as they made their way to Jesus, to be abruptly stopped by the disciples who were rolling their eyes in judgment, shaking their heads and pointing their fingers before they sought to shoo them away. Now, at the same time as this unfortunate incident was unfolding, Jesus turned and challenged the disciples firmly. He in turn rebuked the very ones doing the rebuking and encouraged the children to come over to him. It was a classic example of putting people, in this case children, in boxes. Now I'd like to share a clip with you on the screen. I felt very challenged by this video clip. It reminds me that intentionally 
or unintentionally, we have a bad habit of, as humans. Well, in actual fact, we have more than one bad habit, but in this case, humans have a big tendency to place people in boxes. If I'm completely honest with you, I tend to put people in boxes too when I first meet them. I have learned through experience that my first impressions can be completely wrong. For me, often the people I form preconceived ideas of are the very ones at a later stage that I very much grow to appreciate and love. Now, whilst this clip challenges us at the core of putting people in boxes, I have to say I felt that it would have been even more powerful if the people that it represented across the generations had have included children too. See, many years ago, when I was a children's pastor at another church, I would walk with a fellow children's ministry colleague every day. We, would both, we were both as passionate as one another about sharing Jesus with the children in our church. We'd both been involved in traditional children's ministry on a Sunday morning for many years and we loved what we did. But there was a problem. In the back of our minds, we both had this niggling feeling. We'd talk about it together as we walked but we couldn't find a tangible solution at the time. Now, 15 years ago, we acknowledged that having a separate program for children during church times was ultimately placing children in boxes, and we feared that children's ministry, as we knew it, would become extinct. We also longed for an all-age worship where no one was hindered from gathering together. And Sunday sport at the time was just really starting to take off. Now, I have now been a children's and families pastor here at BMBC for over 10 years. And during this time, we have experienced different stages too. Starting out, we only had one family. And then across the course of time, God graciously brought into our midst new families to the point where our children's ministry was flourishing. We held kids' spots, child-led services, and introduced generational links by way of including the children in our congregation as a whole. We went, then went through a season where I had to take, let others take more of a lead during my own cancer journey, and then COVID came along. And I recall Sunday sport coming into sharp focus just prior to and after COVID, which meant that more and more parents were struggling with the challenges that it brought along for them too. Now, I know many parents wrestled whether to allow their children to be involved, but they felt that they couldn't let their children miss out on sporting opportunities. Towards the end of 2023, we reached the point where we couldn't sustain our children's ministry on a Sunday morning, our Lighthouse Children's Programs. It was the very thing that I was concerned about many years prior. Term four was a time of pastoral reflection, waiting on God and seeking his ways forward for the children of our church. In the meantime, our playgroups were flourishing. 
it became clearer over time that God was calling us to step out from what was the norm traditionally for children on a Sunday morning and create a space where all the generations could gather together at a different time to experience Jesus together in our midst and to share life together. Now, we can only do this effectively if we're willing to leave our gathered boxes behind, which includes, like Jesus set the example of, allowing the children to to fully participate, not just with their age group and peers, but to join the teens, the young adults, the young marrieds, the middle-aged and our esteemed seniors. Now, coming back to the clip, we often perceive that the different generations have nothing in common with one another. If someone is different to us in their stage of life, experiences, values and, dare I say, even appearance, we tend to place them over to the side in our minds and don't take the time to discover who they really are. If we take the time to go deeper, we can surprisingly discover that even across the generations, we have unexpected things in common. Generational links allowed us to some degree to discover that we could connect across the generations. Adults and children had similar interests, in some cases, similar challenges and similar concerns too. Playgroup is a fine example of intergenerational ministry. In this space, young mums, grandparents, small children, babies, and sometimes even older siblings come together three times a week. Now, these families are a part of our church community during the week. Our team of volunteers are an intergenerational team. How powerful it is to see children and parents turning to these volunteers for help and guidance. How touching it is to witness our baby boomers bend down and do up the shoelace of an excited little child. And many of our playgroup families don't have families of their own nearby. Last year, a group of mums thanked us for making playgroup an extended family for them. As we seek to make shifts to regenerate intergenerationally in a specific space and place as a part of our 4pm time together, but indeed across church life and ministry as a whole in the coming weeks, can I encourage you not to gather the children into boxes because they are young or perhaps noisy or even messy, but to allow them to come unhindered into that time. Welcome them just as Jesus did. It will be a new experience for many of us moving into the space of genuine intergenerational times of sharing and faith, sharing life and faith together with Jesus in our midst. But we are so much better together. If we care for all people and look beyond ourselves, which are two of our core values here at BNBC, that means we actually recognise that children have a significant part to play in our midst 
and not just out the back participating in their own programs. Secondly, let's gather, let's gather gifts and blessings. Let's gather gifts and blessings. This week in Playgroup, a young mum and I were reflecting about how quickly the year has actually started and how Christmas, which only seems like yesterday, was now eight weeks ago. It made me think back to our family's Christmas Day, where we gathered around the table and opened a tiny box of around-the-table discussion questions together. Each of the generations were represented around the table and they listened to one another's shared answers and it sought to remind me that whilst at different stages of life, we could all relate to the discussion at hand just from different perspectives. Leading up to Christmas Day, we all had different roles to play too, not just in the food department, but in the preparations as well. A member of Gen Z generation organised the table details and the decorations. A member of Gen Y generation organised the nibbles and handed around everybody's Christmas presents. In the meantime, one of the baby boomers cooked the turkey, whilst the Gen Xers roasted the veggies, made canapes, punch and dessert. Not only did each generation gift others with their service, but as I think about them now, each one of them have their own unique giftings in life. In a different setting to around the Christmas table, Romans 12 verse 6 to 8 tells us that as God's family, we too have different gifts that we bring to him and each other when we collectively gather together with Jesus in our midst. We have different gifts according to the gift given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance to your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is encouragement, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Notice God's word says we. We incorporates the generations. Unfortunately, we can wrongly assume that children are not capable of understanding where their gifts lie. And yes, they are still developing them. But may I share with you from many years of experience amongst them and alongside them, that given the opportunity, they too can bring their newly developing spiritual gifts as well as their natural talents as we come together collectively as God's family. I have actually been blown away by the way children can pray, the depth of questions that they ask, and the way they explore the answers to them. I've been blown away by the way they can engage in worship, by their ability to not put people in boxes, and how they serve others and contribute musically as well. We can sorely underestimate the area involvement and our involvement 
with them. Intergenerational gathering provides everyone opportunity to share their unique gifts in the one place rather than separate, separate in separate groups. By doing so, everyone leaves with a gathered blessing. 1 Peter 4 verse 10 tells us, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 4 also says, Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are a variety of service, but the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Each one of us are gifted to bring God glory and for the common good, to encourage each other. We can be encouraged and blessed by, sharing, by the sharing of a child and likewise they can be encouraged by what adults share with them. Children grow in their own understanding of who God is when they can also hear from the experiences of teens young adults, adults and seniors. Often as adults, we try to hide our struggles from children. It's often a conversation over the years that I've had with parents. We kind of think that if they know about our struggles, then that's going to be a form of weakness or letdown. But, you know, children can grow in their faith as they see us question, as they see us struggle and come through in faith. But they can't do that if they are separate from us in another space. During the times we ran Lighthouse Kids, we would sometimes ask an adult to come in and join us to share about their faith, and not only their faith, but their challenges for this very purpose. We can head into the next week feeling challenged and upbeat because we have listened to a child's perspective they can head into their next week challenged and upbeat because they have witnessed the faith of the adults or people that are older than them around them. Thirdly and finally, let's gather childlike faith. Have you ever heard the saying, inside every man or woman is just a little boy or girl? Or I am young at heart but slightly older in other places? What are these sayings actually saying to us? They bring to us the reality that deep down, no matter how many years we've actually lived, we still remember and relate to the part of us that was a child. That never goes away. Jesus not only sought to help us understand that children have a place with and alongside us, but he also brought to our attention the need for us adults to embrace childlike qualities. I believe too often we confuse his words for childlike faith or to be like a little child with childishness and that's why we feel uncomfortable with this principle. It doesn't make sense to us. Let's clarify, Jesus is not asking us to be childish. He is asking us to be childlike 
there is a big difference. Going back to our original reading from this morning from Mark 10, Jesus also announced after his rebuke of the disciples, Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. We need to pay close attention to the qualities of a child. What better way can we do this than having them participate in the whole of the family of God together? A child's faith journey speaks volumes into the hearts of us adults if we allow it to. We can grow closer to Jesus by demonstrating a childlike faith and if we don't, we are the ones that miss out. Having a childlike faith allows us to fully trust in the simple and unwavering way in the power and goodness of God. When we approach God with the heart of a child, we surrender our need for control and humbly accept his guidance and ways for us. It is not about being naive or ignorant, but humble and dependent. It's where we surrender our own limited understanding, our pride, our doubts, our self-sufficiency, and instead listen to God's wisdom and guidance and surrender totally to him. Just as a child has complete reliance on a parent, childlike faith draws us in complete reliance upon God. If we are to demonstrate childlike, a childlike faith, we must be teachable, open and have a sense of wonder and awe. That's not always easy because it includes making ourselves vulnerable and that's the very opposite of what we feel comfortable doing. It can be messy when faced with the gamut of life's challenges before us to say that I trust God with all the outcomes. Childlike faith doesn't mean we stagnate and not grow. It's the very opposite as it opens the way for us to grow in wisdom, maturity and spiritual understanding. Childlike faith is completely different to childish faith. One relies on the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. The other is marked by selfishness, immaturity and a lack of understanding or consideration of others. Childlike faith is a beautiful and essential aspect to our relationship with God. By being intergenerational, we keep before us the beautiful qualities of a childlike faith. Not only are we visually reminded of the qualities of a child, but we share life and faith with them, with Jesus in our midst, broadening our perspectives as we see faith through their eyes. Being intergenerational provides us with that opportunity. Now, I'm the kind of person that loves to dream about the possibilities before us as God's intergenerational people. I'm a person that often over the years has learnt not to ask the question, what if, in a negative sense of the word. But I'm a person that wants to learn figuratively to walk on water. And to do so, 
one must get out of the boat. So I ask you collectively these what-if questions, and I wish to conclude with them under God's guidance today. What if we provide a time for God to be in our midst as we gather intergenerationally? What if we allow ourselves to be open to each other across the generations and open our hearts to those we usually do not have a great deal of time to do with? What if we meet together as a completely, at, at a completely untraditional time that we have been used to so that we can include those that can no longer attend on a traditional Sunday morning? What if we model church as a complete family that represents everyone from all walks of life, stages of life and stages of faith to growing God together? including our playgroup families. How would God work through these gatherings? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your presence among us this morning. We thank you for the reminder from your word to not exclude anyone, including children, from gathering together to learn and grow in you. We wish to be open to the possibilities that you open before us as we learn to be intergenerational people here at BMBC. Lead and guide us, we pray. Help us to not gather up boxes in the process. Help us instead to gather the gifts and blessings that are before us in the coming weeks as we explore this at the new 4pm service but also across our life as a wider church community. Help us also to cultivate a childlike faith that honours you. In your name we pray. Amen.